Hi guys, welcome to episode number two of Tony's Movie Podcast. My name is Tony. And we're going to talk about, mostly I think we're just going to talk about Disaster Artist. That new movie that just came out a few weeks ago that I'm a little late to because of exam season. That's fun. But I think we'll just focus on that. Maybe I'll I'll add in another movie afterwards. We'll make this a two-part movie review thing. Maybe Bright because that just came out on Netflix, so we'll see if I can squeeze that in there too. But first, let's talk about Disaster Artist, and boy, I really like this movie. Uh, I'm a sucker for pretty much any Seth Rogen, James Franco movie, but this one was unlike their other ones. This wasn't a comedy. This was Well, it was. There was definitely funny parts, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. But before I really dive in, let's just talk about some stuff. I'm going to keep it spoiler-free for both of those reviews, so... Don't be afraid about having to tune out at any point. This isn't a big Nerdfest podcast, which might, I think it's going to be much shorter than the usual one. But either way, we're going to talk about Disaster Artist. Right off the top, we're just going to talk about some of the scoring that's been going around online. Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is a 92%, and the audience is at a 90%. Now, I'm not a big fan of Rotten Tomatoes scores. I think it gives you a pretty good public perception of the movie but overall I'm not a fan especially because the way it works I'm not sure if people know how it works but I'll just go over it it's uh, the critic at least the critic scoring is an aggregate so the way that works is so this movie got a 92% it wasn't an average it's not an average of 92% like it wasn't a bunch of hundreds and a bunch of 85s and it averages 10 92 the way a critic scoring works on Rotten Tomatoes is critics submit their reviews. If a review is above 60%, it's cons- I believe it's 60. I'm pretty sure it's 60%. It's considered fresh. It's considered good, like that red ripe tomato color. And all of those 60% or plus reviews, that's what the 92% is. So in actuality, the critic score could actually be flat across the board, six and a half out of tens, but because 92% of them were six and a half out of tens or whatever the number is, it's a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So sometimes the critic system works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not a huge fan of it, so I'm a bigger fan of personal reviewers that I like, that I've picked out myself, and just going to see the movie for yourself. Um, IMDb, though, is not a bad source. That's that's I'm my reviews usually line up. If I were to score a movie, I don't like scoring movies either. But if I were, IMDb is probably the best bet. And my and let's just get into my review. So my personal synopsis, <laughs> my personal explanation of what this movie is, is a little complicated to explain. I don't know if anyone knows about the room the movie but that's what this movie is based on it's not actually about the room it's about the making of the room so kind of how this movie came to be is back in 2003 a movie came out called the room starring and written by directed by and produced by everything was done by this guy named tommy wiseau who is in hindsight <laughs> like a unexpected 
he's I wouldn't say genius even I want to call him a genius because it's so amazing but he didn't know he really is the, the movies about him the disaster artist but basically this movie is about the making of the room which is based on the book the disaster artist which was written by the best friend character of the room whose name was Mark or the real character the actor's real name Greg Sestero who in this movie is played by Dave Franco and Tommy Wiseau is played by James Franco so you get this really weird movie to explain where it's like the making of a bad movie that's so bad it's good but it's the book about the making of the movie that's so bad that it's good and James Franco not only stars, he also directs this movie. So there's some other meta level in, <laughs> involved. It's like Tommy Wiseau directed The Room. And now James Franco is directing as Tommy Wiseau himself. And like it's so crazy the levels this goes. It almost feels like it's a fake stunt. But like it, it, it happened. And it's a movie you can go see right now. And this very... And I liked it. It was really good. It does this weird subgenre, like it. It's a drama comedy, dramedy, whatever. But it's not a dark comedy, and it's not too funny, and it's not too dramatic. It gets this like perfect blend of everything, and it doesn't lean too far in either direction. And somehow this in between, because it almost this very in between genre makes it more familiar to because like when we to just to us as an audience an audience they all have their own lives which have drama which have comedy the whole thing kind of feels like this weird in between and so it's i feel like this movie is much more relatable because of that and there are parts of this movie which sound like it's complete fiction no you're watching it and it's like no that didn't happen this movie didn't get made and then you watch it and there's points you don't believe and it's probably and those are the most accurate and truest parts about the movie and i don't want to spoil too much of it there's not really much to spoil it's alive you can go read the history of the room by yourself if you wanted to but i'm just gonna talk about like i don't want to spoil it because it is a great movie you should all go see it i don't like giving a movie a score but just right off the bat i recommend it if you like Seth Rogen or James Franco movies, go see it. If you've heard of The Room, I think you should go see it. You, if you've seen The Room, you definitely need to go see it. <laughs> I like I saw The Room a few a few months ago. I wasn't you no know, this movie the movie is awful. It is probably it is the best worst movie ever made and when they say worst movie, it is awful. Like I'm sure there's worser ones out there, but like this movie you can feel it trying so hard to be good that it falls back on itself and it becomes bad. And then that badness just keeps building so that it's good again. And it's so weird. It's so surreal. I absolutely hate it. But <laughs> the whole community around it is hilarious. And the fact that this movie exists makes this even funnier. Um, and yeah, uh, what did I like about it? I really loved the cast of this movie. The whole James Franco, Seth Rogen crew, and everyone that's involved there who keep on showing any, up in each other's movies, they're amazing. They're like a little Hollywood friend group that everyone from the outside wants to be a part of. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would love to hang out with them. But it is 
amazing how they just all do these movies and they all keep featuring in each other's movies and it's like they're all really good friends with one another uh there's even some cameos in this movie there's a lot of cameos in this movie and every time i saw that cam a new person a new guy a new girl whatever i was like oh snap he she's here he or she's here and i was like oh yeah they did that other movie together that one time so then they would totally get together and make this and just yo you want to come be part of the disaster artist what's a disaster artist blah 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 yeah that sounds hilarious i'd love to be in that and then i don't want to spoil the cameos because there's a bunch of them but it, there's some great throw-ins in the movie you're just watching and you're like wow that's hilarious that that person's there um the acting in this movie is incredible for every for such a stupid idea of a movie everyone really committed to their roles and it shows james franco is definitely the standout and he basically becomes Tommy Wiseau. And I'm pretty sure he directed in character too. Which makes this all even more surreal. And he... Like I'm seeing James Franco. And I know that's James Franco on the screen. But all at the same time I'm like, no, he's Tommy Wiseau right now. That is his... <laughs> because I've seen interviews with Tommy Wiseau. And I've seen The Room. And I've seen all these things. And it's like, he nailed him. He got everything about him right. And then there's interviews on YouTube with Tommy Wiseau and James Franco sitting beside each other. And they're all, they're commenting about the movie and whatever. And it's it's hilarious that this even exists. I'm just still kind of stunned by that fact. Because I remember years ago when I, on another podcast, heard that this book was made. That this this book exists. And I was like, whoa, that's such a crazy idea for a book. And then later, like a few, a few months after that, I hear that this book which was already a crazy idea, is now being made into a movie. And I was like, no way, that's stupid. And now it's here. And it's really good. It's not just here, it's not just a goof, it's not them just making fun of the room the entire time. It's like a genuinely good movie with lots of heart and a really and really strong themes and messages, which I'll touch on later. But back to the acting, because the acting is really good in this movie. James Franco steals the show. And seeing James and seeing James and Dave Franco in a movie together was really sweet because they're brothers in real life, and it's like them being brothers and these two characters in the movie being like these troubled best friends. They really play well off of each other. The friendship, their nice times when they're like friendly with each other, the anger, their frustration at one another. It almost seems authentic the way like brotherly love. It's like they have moments where they love each other, they have moments where they're really mad at each other, and. When you get those scenes in the movie like that, it almost feels like authentic, that it's from a real place. Uh, the whole supporting cast of this movie is not only like spot on with how their counterparts to not ca uh, <laughs> the whole supporting cast looks pretty spot on to their room, the room counterparts. Oh boy, I butchered that sentence. I'm not gonna edit that. I'll keep that. <laughs> But the way the whole... Now you get to see that supporting cast in this humanized way where in the room, they're very flat and empty characters and you laugh at them and you're like, why are you in this movie, random actor, person, lady, guy? Why are you here? And this movie really, like, because part of the theme is, like, following their dreams, being actors, it, like, humanizes their motivation for being on this ridiculous movie 
and they're actors that are just striving for their dream which just ties in so nicely to the theme and the theme is like what is the ultimate probably stand like the two standouts of this movie or three i'll say they're three one that this movie exists two that james franco is incredible <laughs> just how he acts almost exactly like he basically is him like it's uncanny if you watch it you'll see it you'll see in the movie you can watch interviews online you can see tommy wiseau watch the room just to see how ridiculous it is and how that movie shouldn't have even been made somehow it was and that all ties into the theme of this movie the disaster artist which is about friendship and even more than that is following through with their dreams they're both these actor guys who are working in hollywood that really want to succeed and you get this movie with like based on true true events presented with ups and downs and genuine problems and how they overcome those hurdles and it's ins and it's pretty inspiring for such a ridiculously silly movie about a ridiculously true scenario and this movie failed to its success it came out almost nobody saw it in theaters somehow it gained a cult following and it became famous off of that and made all of its money back and more and it just kept on failing until it worked it failed until it, it this the perseverance of the failure of this project is almost motivational and inspiring to anyone who also feels like they're just failing their way through life and it's like almost it does pay off uh, i don't know what it is but it's just really heartwarming this movie and it's good to see a movie like that in hollywood especially during these times i don't know like socially politically whatever you want to throw your negative label at it's nice to see a movie like this being so heartwarming and persevering and yeah that's my little review for the disaster artist Okay, I mentioned a little earlier that I might talk about Bright, and I watched Bright, and I have some things to say about it. Um, overall, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie, not because it was bad, per se, but it wasn't great, and it wasn't awful, and for me personally, a movie has to be either really good at whatever genre it is whatever genre i'm watching it's like i just appreciate if it's done well if it's funny if it's action-packed whatever it is just if it's good i like it and if it's really bad i like it i think that's hilarious whenever it's really bad but this movie this movie is just in the middle and middle movies are the worst because there's nothing interesting about something that's average um <laughs> that sounds so harsh i might be a little harsh in this review i got things to say but uh just right off the bat as i did with uh disaster artist uh the rotten tomatoes scoring the critics give it a 30 percent now again that 30 percent isn't an average it just means that the majority of critics gave it something under a 60 percent so that only 30% of them gave them fresh or something like that. Eh, it's confusing. But again, it's not an average. It just means if it's 30%, if it's under that fresh meter, that means most of the reviewers didn't like it. 
or they gave it under 60. And the audience is at an 89%. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that this is a interesting genre piece and there's some cool world building that happens. I'm just going to adjust the game levels a little here. I'm going to keep this all in. No editing. We're going to go off the cuff. I think that's fine. Okay. But yeah, the audience gave it an 89%, which I think is a little high. I'm not sure if the audiences are averages or not, but I wouldn't give it that much. It wasn't that good. <laughs> and then uh, IMDB, which is the source I like the most if you want to give a numerical rating to anything, is giving it a 6.7 out of 10. And these are all ratings as of, like, as I've seen it recently. And then 6.7 is fair. I think I agree with that score more than the other ones. I might even go a little lower. That would give it like a five and a half or six. Just because it is so average. It's such an average movie. It's really annoying when a movie is so average. And I'm going to say that a lot. I'm going to be saying that a lot these next few <laughs> minutes as I talk about Bright. So the synopsis or my little personal synopsis behind Bright is basically the setting is this world is established in a world where fantasy the fantasy world and the human world have existed together for hundreds or thousands of years and now but now we're in the present day we're like 2017 or whatever it is and we get an integrated world of elves humans and orcs living in a modern 21st century setting and in this world the main story is actually a wand goes missing the wand a wand is a powerful weapon it grants any wish it want the user wants with it and then a wand goes missing everybody wants it it's in the hands of this elvish girl who's on the run and runs into the human and orc police officer duo which is will smith and joel edgerton and despite this super cool mixing of genres premise and that interests me in every way the execution of this movie is so mediocre and average it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's so boring because of how middle of the road it is and yeah uh i was just bored watching this movie which is unfortunate um the director behind this movie is david ayer who did end of watch fury which are two movies that i love Oh, I don't know. Love is a strong word. I like those movies <laughs> in their genres, the respective genres. Fury is like the military Brad Pitt movie with tanks and stuff. I really liked that one. Then End of Watch is actually a police buddy cop movie. So kind of similar to Bright in that case, but done so much better. <laughs> and then most recently, he's known for Suicide Squad, which isn't great that's a whole podcast onto itself but i don't want to talk about that movie i didn't when just my little brief thing about suicide squad i'm i am a dc fan i like the dc stuff but their movies aren't great and i don't i didn't think suicide squad was bad or no well i didn't think it was great but i didn't think it was as bad as as batman versus superman i definitely thought it was better than that one but it wasn't great either. So David and David Ayer kind of has me like, 
after seeing Suicide Squad, I was on the ropes about him, and I was thinking, oh, this is a cool, maybe genre mix-match movie that might be cool. But now after seeing this, now I hesitate watching any David Ayer movies in general. And the fact that this is just a worser version of End of Watch, which is a movie that he's already made, I feel like the fantasy element that they try bringing in really detracts from the story. And overall, I didn't like the movie. Uh, there was maybe an action scene or two, which I thought were pretty cool. But overall, yeah, I didn't like it. I want to talk about why for <laughs> a few minutes. Um, I love fantasy movies, but this, and I love buddy cop movies, but this blend of genres didn't work well. And the, I think it's because they try and mix these both worlds but they but it doesn't like it doesn't work well i feel like if the buddy cop was the secondary genre adding on top of to something else it would have worked out better i'll explain that but I, yeah i don't know it's just these worlds it doesn't feel right because when you when you hear fantasy and humans living together there's and but they're living like they lived together for hundreds thousands of years whatever and now they live together in the modern day i feel like the modern day they would have would be different but this world that you get in bright ends up being a very much human world with just some fantasy stuff that exists in it it's like they just took they just replaced things with a fantasy element it doesn't feel like they integrated and grew together for hundreds or thousands of years and it's really immersion breaking for me uh like in this world it's established that elves are the fancy one percenters the humans are just this middle in between class whatever the middle class if you want to and the orcs are treated awfully oppressed they're trying to really drive the african-american message for the orcs and i'm all about societal and political messages in films but when it's not done well and it feels too ham-fisted it almost doesn't work in the in terms of the benefit for the story and but despite the fact for some reason the whole world even though it has these three races and even more there's like fairies and other things in there and magic exists in this world and all of that it still feels very human influenced like one of the examples is like elves are driving in lamborghinis and ferraris and whatever and it's like if elves are the top of society they established infrastructure all that why don't they have their own brand of cars why are they still driving what we consider as humans fancy cars or they're living in like the downtown core why don't they have their own extravagant elvish thing why is there, why are they living in like a human type of world and in terms of a integrated fantasy and human setting it doesn't make sense uh everything in this movie feels very flat and one-dimensional and the political societal message they're they're like the you can see the point they're really making it obvious but it feels very forced and unnatural which i want to talk about more later but the main problem that really detracts from this movie is the genre and it prioritized the buddy cop genre to the fantasy genre i feel like this movie could have worked better 
if it was a buddy cop movie inside of a fantasy world. So instead of making it a buddy cop movie with random magic stuff happening around them, instead, you establish this fantasy world that humans are in, and then you bring in a buddy cop aspect, like they're two knights or something like that. I don't know, something that works better. Like we've seen this in movies like recent, like Logan. It's not buddy cop, that's more father daughter, but it's the same idea. You take this buddy pairing and you put it in a superhero post apocalypse setting or men in black. That's something everyone, all of us, like grew up with, at least the 90s kids, which I think I'm in that group, where it's like a buddy cop movie in an alien sci fi setting. That was really cool. Even Zootopia. Zootopia is a buddy cop movie in an animal Disneyland. It works better when the buddy cop is inside of a setting instead of sprinkling the fantasy around it. And it's even more, like, I don't know, confusing, frustrating, that David Ayer has made a better, better buddy cop movie. He made a better buddy cop movie with End of Watch which tackles the police patrol life, what having a partner is about, the societal political messages, better than this movie ever does. The next point I want to tackle is the the characters in this movie. Like, we have a plot, we have these weird mix of genres that's not great, but the characters are really unlikable, which is weird because you have Will freaking Smith, who is the most lovable dude ever. Everything you see Will Smith, well, most people, I would say, you see Will Smith and you're like, oh, Will Smith, that's great, I love Will Smith, everyone loves Will Smith, it's Fresh Prince. <laughs> and Will Smith has been in a good buddy cop movie, he's been in Men in Black, he's been in The Bad Boys, he's been in good buddy cop movies. So you feel like this is a genre, like buddy, the buddy cop side, he should fit right in and know exactly how to act and portray his character, but... Here he's not the most lovable dude. He feels the mo he feels aggressive and inconsistent in this movie. Sometimes you have that lovable Will Smith that you like and you're like, Yeah, that's a funny thing Will Smith says and he's playing himself. And then other times he says something that's like very aggressive and something that doesn't fit what Will Smith would say. And it's like if you're hiring Will Smith for your movie, make him do Will Smith things. Why <laughs> why are you making him this weird, aggressive character that doesn't work well with others, and but sometimes he does, and this flip-flop that keeps on happening is just very confusing to see from Will Smith in a buddy cop movie. And considering his last few movies, it's like none, all of them have been great. I'm a little disappointed about this one not being an uptick, and especially because it's a Netflix. I feel like Netflix needs a win when it comes to its movies. It's killing its shows. But its movies are... They're alright. They're all fine. <laughs> and this one could have done something better. But it just doesn't. And I was excited when I saw this trailer for the movie. Because you see Will Smith holding a sword. And I'm like, man, Will Smith holding a sword? What's this? What is this about? But and then when that moment happens in the movie... it so desperately does disappointingly doesn't pay off it's really frustrating and then following this you have his orc partner who's played by joel edgerton egerton edgerton i think it's edgerton and i really like him i've seen him in a few movies i love him in warrior warriors probably one of my favorite movies and it's like a really dark movie 
he's also oh, I feel like more people would recognize him in Great Gatsby but he's been in a bunch of stuff especially recently but what's unfortunate is they drape his face in orc makeup to make him look like an orc which okay side note the makeup in this movie does look phenomenal like orcs look like orcs elves look like elves the way our fantasy world kind of imagines them and it's really on point but it's like you get an actor who's been expressive in roles and has and can do the expressiveness that you need to do, but you cover his face and all this makeup and you can't see anything he's doing. And it's, and it's like, why do you hire these pretty big name actors and have them do a, a subpar job? And then him being buddies with Will Smith, it's like the chemistry these two have, which is what's supposed to drive a buddy cop movie. It's like, they're supposed to be buddies they're supposed to poke jabs at each other get along or be at each other's nerves and but like work through it together and and it's supposed to be charming as all of that's happening but it just doesn't work here it doesn't click where joel edgerton the orc feels too much of a pushover and Will Smith wildly flips back and forth from a, I think I like you type of guy to hey ooh, that wasn't cool type of guy and the chemistry doesn't pay off and in a buddy cop movie where that's kind of what you want to work the most like you can have a buddy cop movie that's not good but if the characters are awesome and you really like them it's fine but this doesn't happen here and their comedy the, the comedy quotation marks that's supposed to come from this movie is from these moments and everything falls flat I didn't laugh at anything in this movie very boring jokes very boring plot very confusing and boring characters and I think the biggest problem of this movie is this movie tries to prioritize its genre it tries to prioritize the world building over narrative and characters and it thinks that because we have a cool idea for a setting and whatever societal issues the movie can address it's like oh that that can that doesn't it when you do those things it doesn't mean you can abandon narrative and characters it focuses so much on how we can on how the movie whatever the makers of the movie are trying to focus so much on how they can make a cool modern fantasy world but relatable in the human world and confront societal issues head-on which like again i'm super in support of but in a movie if the narrative and character the narrative and characters are the most important things and societal issues setting themes genre all of that is secondary and that supports what happens in the plot of a movie and its characters and literally if you just want to see a better version of this movie just watch end of watch <laughs> and that's where i'm just going to leave off that so yeah bright is all right disaster artist was awesome check that out if you can bright if you really have nothing else to do and you're curious you want to see a fantasy buddy cop movie work together then yeah sure check it out but i overall didn't like it and that's where i'm going to call it for today um i know this is a movie podcast but there's also tv shows i watch a ton of uh I know I've been watch I've been rewatching season three for Mr. Robot, and that show's incredible. I would love to talk about that, but you literally cannot talk about that show without spoiling everything. 
So, I don't know if I give a warning in advance. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Black Mirror is going to come out. The new season of that will come out. I guess that might be the next thing I'm talking about. I know Dark is also on Netflix. A German horror show. I'm curious about that. I need some... Something to fill that Stranger Things creepiness horror gap. But I think the next thing I'm probably going to talk about is Black Mirror Season 4. I think that's the one that's coming out. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. So I'll tune in with you next time whenever I upload a new podcast. Alright. Happy Holidays. <laughs>